if you were listening, then you would have heard that uh, Poe apparently had daddy issues. Um, it sounds maybe like Manus might have as well. I don't know about that. Um, but dads and all that sort of stuff, I think, is a subject that all of us can really connect with in one way or another. Because obviously, every single person has a father. For some of us, fathers are like a, a pretty painful topic to talk about. Um, whether your father has passed away, or you don't live with him, or your dad's around, but you don't really feel like you connect with him heaps well, like you don't you're not really on the same wavelength, maybe you're not heaps close, um, or maybe you just straight out don't get along much at home, uh, or maybe you've got a complicated relationship with him for other reasons. So I want to acknowledge that, um, like, if because some of this stuff does touch on, you know, fatherhood and that sort of stuff, that it might stir up some stuff for people. And so if that is you, um, and it's kind of bringing up stuff for you, definitely talk to a leader about it, or talk to um, a Christian friend or something like that. Um, because, yeah, like I said, this is something that relates to us all in one way or another. Um, but on the other hand, for some of us, fathers isn't really a painful topic to talk about. You might be really tight with your dad. Um, but one way or another... Um, most people can see the same truth, that whether you know, you know your dad really well or whether you've hardly seen him your whole life, that either way, that's going to have a big impact on you, yeah? Dads are going to impact us one way or another. Um, I know um, quite a few people, mostly um, with this particular example, mostly guys, but with girls as well, um, who... Um, you know, they might love surfing, and it was actually their dad that got them into that, though. Um, or um, their biggest passion would probably be, like, footy or cricket, and their dad is also, like, way into footy and cricket. Or they, um, they love playing guitar. That's, like, a big thing for them. And their dad also just happens to be really in, into guitar. Those things aren't coincidences, yeah? Um, now, it's not always the case. Like, for instance, my dad... He loves sailing. He's always been really into sailing, and I just am not interested um, at all. But, um, you know, the water's cool, and, you know, but, um, but anyway, the point is sometimes you can actually be really different, and it's, you don't always have shared interests. Shared interest is only one of many ways that dads can impact us, um, and that's the same for guys and girls. Um, and so um, I can still see how my dad. And my relationship with him has had a massive impact on me um, in lots of different ways. Um, and so I thought it would be helpful to look at some statistics. Um, now, just to, to do with like fathers and dads and all that sort of stuff, and just to kind of get at some sense of the impact that dads can have. Um, now, just a heads up, these stats are mostly from America, and they're also pretty dated. Um, so I reckon um, the stat statistics in Australia and today would probably be even more extreme. But here you go. 43% of U.S. children live without their father. Daughters of single parents without a father involved are 711% more likely to have children as teenagers, 164% more likely to have a premarital birth, and 92% more likely to get divorced themselves later in life. Boys who grow up in absent father, father absent homes are more likely than those in father present homes to have trouble establishing appropriate sex roles and gender identity. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Um, this will be next slide. 63% um, of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centres come from fatherless homes. 90% um, of adolescent repeat arsonists live only with their mother. 80% of rapists motivated with displaced anger come from fatherless homes. And I think there's one more slide I've got. 
Um, 85% of children who exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions have no father. Like, that's just prisons and stuff, yeah? 85% of youths in prisons grew up in a fatherless home. Fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to need help for emotional or behavioral problems. Um, So... um, Obviously, a lot of those stats were kind of concerning. They weren't necessarily good statistics. Um, but it shows that how much even the lack of a father is still an impact. You know, fathers don't just impact us um, when they're present. Um, the lack of um, that kind of presence is also a big impact. Um, fathers are a big role. It's an important role, and they're a big deal. Um, the reason I'm going through all this stuff is because the passage we're looking at tonight says that anyone who follows Jesus is a child of God, all right? Child of God, um, someone who personally calls God dad, um, which is pretty radical. Um, It also explains that anyone who doesn't follow Jesus is still a slave. So as we look at the idea of going from slaves to children of God, we're going to think about, firstly, what that shows us about God, two, what that shows us about people who follow Jesus, Um, and Christians, and three, what that shows us about anyone who isn't following Jesus, all right? So the the fact that um, Jesus can take us from being slaves to children of God, what that shows us about God, Christians, and people who don't follow Jesus. So first of all, what it means about God. Obviously, if Jesus allows us to be children of God, that would make, obviously, God would be our Father, yeah? Um, if we follow Jesus, God is our Father. If you've got your Bibles from the passage it was read out, have a look. 4 verse 6. Seeing lots of heads going down. That was cool. 4 verse 6. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you see that? The Spirit in our heart calls out, Father. Um, and just in case you're confused, Abba is just the word for Father in Aramaic. Okay, not the band that your mum listens to. Uh, so, um, being children of God isn't just a random cool name, all right? Um, it's not just a cool name for being a Christian, like this is a nice way of saying it. It actually means you have a relationship with God now. Um, it's not just a, like another phrase to kind of put on yourself. To be a child of God means that now you have a relationship to him. You're his child, he's your father. It's a relationship. Um, and so... We get to come before him, talk to him, and call him dad, which is an amazing thing. So the question is, what does it mean for God to be our father? What does the role of a father involve? And so we're actually going to check out some key aspects of what it means to be a father, what that role is all about, to help us see what that means for our relationship with God. All right? um, I kind of broke most of it out into four different words that you know conveniently started with P, um, but you'll figure it out. Um, the first thing is that if this is a relationship, then obviously that means if God is our Father, it's a personal relationship. God is a personal God to us. Um, now, we read it out before, but I've got it on the screen anyway. Galatians 4, verses 6 to 7. Um, because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So it's not just saying, yeah, you're a child of God. We actually get to go to God and call him Dad. That's a personal thing. Um, so we're no longer a slave, but God's child. Um, and so that means it's not like a business transaction when you become a Christian. You know, if you're thinking of it as, oh, yeah, I heard that, like, there's heaven and stuff, so I'll just take that and go back to what I'm doing. It's actually, 
you're in a relationship now with a loving Father, a heavenly Father, an eternal Father. It's a personal thing. He knows you and he's given us the greatest gift that we can know him. Next one. Um, a fa- God as Father means he's a provider. Um, Luke 11 says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will hand him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He has our best interests, good gifts. And that's the best thing, which is to have the Holy Spirit. All right. Um, Next one is that God as Father means he's paternal. He looks after us and raises us in the way that you would expect a dad would. So um, here you go. In Hebrews 12, it says, Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. So guys, that means he has our best interests. He disciplines us as his children. Now, like we should know probably from first-hand experience that discipline isn't always pleasant at the time, right? I mean, Hebrews goes on to say that. Discipline isn't always a fun thing, but we know that our parents do that for us out of love, for our best interests. And it's the same with God. So when you think things are hard or you're feeling like you're being pulled up in different ways, be encouraged by that. God has your best interests. And the last one, protector. God as a father would mean that if we are um, children of him, born of him, he would protect us. 1 John 5.18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. So if you're born of God, his child, he keeps us safe. Fathers protect, all right? So that was personal, provider, paternal, and protector. Um, Now, you know, in terms of like having a relationship with God now, um, I'm sure like, put your hand up if you feel like you've met someone famous, whether it's like at a gig or... I don't know, there was like randomly something people were doing signings or something, a footy player, a movie star, whatever. Yeah, okay, quite a few have. Um, it can be pretty fun to have a claim to fame like that. All right? When we think someone is a big deal, we can get pretty stoked about having a connection to them, right? To be associated with them in some way. Um, like that time that Will Ferrell um, was an elf and new Santa. Um, also, um, Bobby, who's one of the junior youth leaders, um, has, is like really into Josh Pike and has met him like I don't even know how many times. Um, she's got that many selfies on Facebook with Josh Pike. Um, and so people can meet people who are famous and have all these really random claims to fame like, yeah, I met that guy um, and, I, and I know him. Well, guys, this passage, passage shares the amazing truth that any of us who follow Jesus, any of us sitting here are children of the creator of the universe. That's what it's saying. You know that guy who rules over the universe and made everything that exists? Well, yeah, he's my dad. That's, that's the claim to fame that we're talking about right now. <clears throat> um, which obviously would go to show, right, that being a child of God is the most important part of our identity. It trumps any other claim to fame or, or um, any other claim we have. Being a child of God is the most significant part of our identity. Um, our identity is in Christ. So there's a few things um, to apply here. It'll come up on the screen. Um, the first one is that I want you to get that your identity is in Christ. Every one of us in this room feels ashamed or insecure um, about ourselves sometimes. It happens for all of us, um, sometimes for more, 
like more often for some people than others. Um, whether it's about our family, our background, um, how good we are at our hobbies and the things we try and do, and that's how we define ourselves. And you know, if we make a mistake in that thing, it hits us heaps hard because that's the thing that we pride ourselves in. And um, we can have our identity in, in lots of different things and be insecure about it. But guys, if you're a Christian, our identity isn't in those things. Our identity is in Christ. And I really want you guys to hear this. You know, like, yeah, you might be a muso or a cricketer or a surfer or um, a lad. I hope not, but that's right. Um, or whatever it is. You might be the chick that has 347 likes on her profile picture, and, you know, that's great. But there are actually some really significant things about our identity that we have, and the most significant thing is that we are a child of God, not that other stuff. Um, Above all that, we are God's child if you're someone that trusts in Jesus. So if you're a Christian, you've got that hope. You go, actually, um, like the best thing about it means that even if, you know, you do lose your edge in your school exams and you used to be a straight-A student, or even if you don't get picked for the reps team this year or whatever, you're still a child of God. You're still a child of the creator of the universe, and that never changes. You are always a child of God no matter what. And your identity is in that. And that's really reassuring. Um, have a look at um, Galatians 3. You've got it in front of you. It was read out before. Galatians 3, 28 and 29. goes to show what's really important. What are the defining aspects about ourselves what aren't? 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That is who you are in Christ. Um, And we can define ourselves by things that can just end up making us insecure and a whole bunch of other stuff. Remember, if you're a Christian and you're trusting Jesus, you're a child of God. Um, You get to call him dad. Um, Another thing um, to take away from this, if God is someone who provides for you and protects you and disciplines you out of love, then trust that he is your best interest. And that's always easy to do um, when things are going sweet. And you can go, yeah, when times are hard, I'll trust God. It's always harder to do when it actually comes down to it. Um, So remember these things. Remember these truths when it comes to harder times. Um, um, If it's a personal God, like we looked at, then another thing I want you to take away from this is to remember to treat him as someone that you do have a relationship with. Um, so often, and this is including myself, um, yeah, I'll, I'll hear from people that are you know, going through things that might be hard or they're anxious about something that's coming up in the future. Um, and like praying to God is just not instinctive for them. It's just not the first thing that they go to do. They don't think about that. Um, they don't think about the value of reading their Bible each day and actually getting to know their creator. He's the guy that made you. You want to get to know him. He's the one that has saved you. Um, you know, if, if you're a Christian, this is something that you um, yeah, should be convicted about, actually realizing I've got a relationship with God. I want to know him. Um, yeah, Don't just think of um, it just a Christian is just a lifestyle, just a bunch of things you do. It's a relationship. So read his word, pray to him. But it would be pretty weird to say that someone's our dad and yet we have no interest in ever talking to him and hearing from him, yeah? That would be a bit weird. So remember that. If God's our dad, think of it the same way. We want to get to know him. Um, And the last thing for now is be influenced by God, your eternal father. Um, Guys, enjoy the awesome relationships um, that you have with your human fathers if you're able to have that relationship. 
It's such a blessing for, for those of us who are able to enjoy that gift. But ultimately, the best ways, you know, if you're blessed enough to grow up in a Christian family, the best way our fathers can influence us is to point us to God. That's the best influence they can have on us. Um, so learn from them, take stuff on board. But guys, um, just like you know, the guy who was into surfing might have been because his dad was into surfing, remember that if God's our eternal father, let him be the biggest influence in your life. Let the biggest influence be from him, your heavenly father. Um, all right, next, next point. What it means for us who follow Jesus what it means to be children of God. So we've thought about the role of father. What does it mean thinking of ourselves as children of God? What does that look like? Um, 3 verse 26 says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. So that's pretty clear, right? In Christ Jesus we're children of God through faith. Um, Have a look down uh, chapter 4 verses 4 and 5. It says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. So let's just kind of go through that step by step. If you have a look at verse 4, God sent his son, see that? Obviously, it's talking about Jesus, right? God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, that means he was human, right? He was a man, to redeem those under the law. Now, to redeem is just like, kind of like to purchase or take. You know when like you cash something in with a coupon or a voucher, you redeem that thing that is rightfully yours? Okay? God redeemed us with his son, right? And so God sent his son Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, all right, a, a, a man, a human, to come and redeem those under the law, which means the rest of mankind. Why? So that we might receive adoption to sonship. So he redeemed us so that we can be adopted and children of God as well. No longer slaves, but adopted as children. Um, now there's a helpful illustration, I think, that kind of talks about the change that we go through and, and what it means, what the difference is between a slave and a child in chapter 4. Um, and I know that we've already read a couple of these verses, but um, read along with me if you've got it in front of you or just listen if you don't, because I think it's a helpful way of thinking about this stuff, all right? Slave to, to child of God. Have a look at chapter 4, verse 1. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. And here you go, summary. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Now you get how it was kind of comparing being a slave to being a child, right? It was kind of saying, like effectively, when you're not an adult, when you're a little child, you don't get to make a lot of the big decisions about your own life, right? Um, you know, until you're old enough to get a job, you usually don't even own anything that's actually yours that hasn't been provided for your parents. And you know, the first jobs you get often don't get you much anyway. Um, and so the big decisions about where you live, whether you go on a holiday that year, where you go to school, um, and even often like whether you go out on the weekends, what you do with your time, ultimately 
that's going to be up to your parents. Um, and so I, um, I spoke to some um, to people earlier in the term about how they were going, right? And they, they were Christians, and I was asking them how they were going in their life. And they were going all right, but they were feeling a bit flat. They were beginning to feel a bit sluggish with Christian stuff. Um, and so I just want to say, if you're not a Christian, or if you are a Christian, but at the moment you're feeling a bit flat, listen up for a sec, right? Sometimes the Christian life feels flat. Sometimes it feels like there's nothing much going for being a Christian. Sometimes it's hard and it's painful, and sometimes it's just boring. Um, sometimes it can it feel like you're just going through motions week by week. Um, am I really any better off? Is this really worth it what I'm pushing myself with here? I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep this up. If you've ever felt like that, listen to what it's saying here. Remember, on paper, all right, just what, like by definition, a baby all right, that needs its nappy change and a slave have the same amount or same lack of authority and possessions and control over their own lives, yeah? But there's a difference underneath the surface, which is obvious, right? An important one. It's something the child has, and Paul says in this letter that it's the inheritance. So even if things are hard now in your Christian life, push on. Look forward to the hope that you have, because he's saying you've been changed from slaves to children, and that's a massive change. But sometimes now it might not feel like a massive change, and you might be kind of going, well, what's the difference to me and the person next to me? I don't really get it. Is this really worth it? I can't see the benefit. And he's saying... Sometimes there are similarities between a child and a slave. The big thing that makes the difference is ultimately the inheritance. That's what he's saying. And if you're a Christian, you have the hope and that promise of an inheritance, which Todd spoke about last week, that promise of salvation with God, not by being heaps good, not by the law, but by faith. That's an awesome promise that we can look forward to if we're Christians. And so remind yourself of that. Remember it and use it to to spur you on, be push, push on with that. Um, don't just, I guess, get disillusioned. All right, the last thing, last point, what it means for anyone who doesn't follow Jesus, all right? Well, the passage here says they're still slaves to the law because it was Jesus that took us from being slaves to the law to be adopted. So without Jesus, we don't have that hope to look forward to. We don't have that promise or that inheritance. We're not children, we're still slaves. The only way we can receive adoption to sonship, the only way we can um, have all those blessings I've spoken about so far, is by the Son himself, is by Jesus. Um, Now you saw before, um, we read out these verses, I just want to highlight one part of it. Um, Look at verse 4. So we were slaves, and then what happened? But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son. Yeah? It's through Jesus that God redeems and adopts us. The only way we can receive adoption to sonship is through the Son himself. Without Jesus, we're still slaves to the law, and that's something that we're only going to fail. All right. So the law, when you're thinking about rules and stuff, none of us are perfect, and when God has this perfect standard, then that's, the law is just something that we're just going to fail and be condemned by. Right? We're just going to be shut down by that. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying law. I'm saying standards and values and morals they are not going to be the way that we're going to get right with God by being as good as we can. And so if we just try and keep pursuing that and try and chase being as good as we can, we're going to be enslaved to those rules and they're just going to end up stuffing us over. 
And so, um, yeah, you've got the inheritance um, through faith, which God is offering to us for free. So don't, don't be crazy. Turn to Jesus. Why be enslaved to something that is only going to end up stuffing you over when you can have an inheritance handed to you for free by having faith in Christ? Um, I just want to point something out here, right? Um, whether you're newish to youth or whether you've been around for a while, I think this is um, something a lot of people miss. Um, you guys might have heard before yeah, about how we're guilty of not treating God like God and how we get other things and replace God with them and make them the best thing of our life um, and how that's actually a problem. And you might have also heard about how because of Jesus facing our punishment in our place on the cross, we can be forgiven for rejecting God. And that's true. We can be forgiven through Jesus. Um, it's an amazing thing. But this passage is important, guys, because it shows us that Jesus has achieved even more for us than that. Um, he took us into his family. He made us children of God. And So think about it. First of all, right, uh, he might not have even saved us at all. He could have just said, enemies don't deserve saving. You're my enemies. So yeah. Uh, and, and that's that. He could have said, this is my one and only son. He's way too precious to pay for humans, let alone ungodly, rebellious humans. Okay, um, And that's fine. He could have just said, I'm not going to do that. And in fact, it would have been more than fine. Justice would have been served. We would have been facing what we would have deserved. But he also might have said, you know, I will save them. I will save them from judgment, from hell. I'll forgive their sins. And I'll even give them eternal existence in a distant place far away, all right? Nothing in us, in how good we are, or nothing in the nature of the world would require that God would do anything more than even that. As if forgiving and rescuing and saving us from judgment isn't already amazing, he then goes and makes us his children. That is awesome. That is love. That is so good. Um, I've told a couple of people this story before. Um, I was um, on a like a kind of just a week long mission trip somewhere once, and I was talking with a a guy who hadn't heard much about Jesus before, and he'd had a pretty rough background, all right. Um, and like I don't have to go into all the details, but he's he was getting into punch ups with his stepdad. He um, was always arguing with his mum, and his dad was in prison. And the reason his dad, like he hadn't known his dad his whole life, his dad had been in prison most of his life. And the reason he'd been in prison is because he'd abused his mum and, and heaps of other stuff. And so he didn't really know his dad. His dad was obviously not a heaps, um, didn't have a really good track record, right? Um, and he was getting to punch ups with his stepdad, arguing with his mum, and he just was hating life. And he's like, I want to get out of here. I don't want to be at home with my mum and my stepdad anymore. It's, it's always fights. I want to get out. And he'd heard that his dad was going to get out of prison pretty soon and was going to be down in Sydney. And so he's like, well, maybe I can go down to Sydney. Maybe when he gets out of prison, maybe I should just move out and then go stay with him. Like, like I know, obviously, he'd done heaps of bad stuff to mum, but maybe he just hated mum. Maybe he'll feel differently about me. Maybe he'll, he'll want to see me. Like, I've never met him before. Maybe it'll be different with me. Now, this guy was obviously really desperate for someone to care about him, yeah? He was... So desperate that even someone who, like in all appearances, you'd think this guy is not going to be a, someone who's going to be a warm, friendly dude and he's going to want me, he was just like, but he's my dad, I've got to take what I can get. Like he was that desperate for it, he was just like, take me there. And I, um, I went to a passage in the Bible with him similar to what we read tonight in, um, in Romans 
that spoke about the fact that because of Jesus, we can actually call God our Father, and He actually is our Father. We get to call Him Dad. And, you know, He, this is like the first stuff He'd even heard about Christianity. He didn't understand a lot of it, all right? Um, but one thing that did stand out to Him, that did strike Him, was that He appreciated the concept of a loving Father way better than I think a lot of other people do. He didn't take it for granted. He, he, he was listening to what I was saying in the Bible, and He's saying, what? I've never even thought about God. Why would he want me? Because I, and I said to him, because you know, in my head I'm thinking, man, like he's thinking he's just going to go down and see his dad, move in with him, it'll all be sweet. And, I, and the realist in me is kind of going, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if his dad's necessarily going to be a loving father because that's not what it sounds like. He, he has never wanted to actually meet him. Um, it could end up going really badly for this guy. Um, and so I said to him, you know, we can seek approval for someone in our lives, whether it's our dads or whoever, a friend. Um, we can seek approval from someone and spend our whole lives trying to earn that approval from someone and we might never get it because people are lousy. But then he heard here from God, who he had n- never even thought of, he'd heard that, you could see that God is actually saying, I'll be your father. I've sent my son to die for you so that I can be your father. And, and he's like... You're the one that I wasn't actually looking for the approval of, that I haven't been earning the approval of, that I haven't actually cared for, and you're the one that wants me. And that just blew him away, that there'd be someone that would want to be his dad. And so I want to say, if you're a Christian, don't take this for granted. Always remember how amazing that is. And if you're not a Christian, don't take this for granted. Turn to Jesus. Um, Realize how important this is that um, to Go from being a slave to being a child of God. Don't roll your eyes at it. All right? I'm about to finish right now. And so if you've been kind of getting restless and you're just fighting the urge to check your phone or you just are checking your phone, I don't know, um, then wake up and listen to how important this is. All right? um, the relationship with God as Father is very real with a very real inheritance and a real promise. So don't take it for granted because the decision you make about whether to accept that or not is going to impact your eternity in a very real way. Um, I'm just going to finish with uh, one of my favorite verses from 1 John. It should come up on the screen. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. So good. Um, I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much that even though we don't treat you as God, um, that we're, we should be just your enemies, that you sent your son to redeem us so that we would not only not be your enemies, but be your children, um, that the same ones that rejected you can be called children of God, that it's just an amazing thing. And so we thank you so much for that, and I pray that all of us who um, do trust in your son um, grow more and more in, in how much we appreciate what it means to call you Father. And I pray for everyone here that doesn't know you, that they realize what an amazing gift this is. Um, They realize that they are actually in slavery to the law, and that's something that will end up um, stuffing them over. And so I pray that they realize the amazing gift it is to turn to Jesus and be a child of yours. In Jesus' name, amen.